What's up, everyone? I hope you all had an awesome 4th of July, and welcome back to New Release Reactions here on Cinematic Reviews. I'm your host, Chris, and this is a show about all things movie and TV. Every week, I break down and review the newest releases like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, beloved franchises, and even upcoming projects. You can support the show by hitting that follow button on your favorite podcast network, as well as following it on all social media platforms. All of those handles can be found on either the Cinematic Reviews Facebook page or the show's website at podgepage.com backslash Cinematic Reviews. It helps out a lot, and I appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. To kick things off, let's head over to this week's new release report. Welcome back to the new release report here on Cinematic Reviews. Over on Disney Plus, Marvel's Secret Invasion is streaming now. Episode 3 is out today. New episodes will arrive every Wednesday. Also, The Making of the Mandalorian Season 3 is out now as well. On Peacock, based on a true story starring Kaylee Kuko is streaming now. All episodes are available. On Max, we have Evil Dead Rise streaming. And then on Hulu, Futurama returns on July 24th with all new episodes. On VOD, we have Sisu Hypnotic starring Ben Affleck and The Machine available to rent and or buy. And then out on theaters, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is here, which I'll be talking about in just a few moments, as well as No Hard Feelings starring Jennifer Lawrence, Asteroid City, which comes from the mind of Wes Anderson, Disney Pixar's Elemental, and then DC's newest chapter, The Flash. Looking ahead, we have Insidious, The Red Door, coming out later this week on July 7th. This is rumored to be the final chapter in the main storyline spinoffs are to follow. And then next week, on July 12th, we finally have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 arriving. And then the weekend after, we have both Oppenheimer and Barbie coming out on July 21st. Well, that is this week's new release report. Come back next time for some more updates. Give them hell, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is swinging your way. I miss the desert. I miss the sea. I miss waking up every morning, wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. Those days have come and gone. Perhaps, perhaps not. I don't believe in magic, but a few times in my life, I've seen things. Things I can't explain. And I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. 
raised his men. I'm her godfather. related. Get back. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was released on June 30th. The film stars Harrison Ford returning as Indiana Jones, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as Helena Shaw, Mads Mikkelsen as Dr. Jurgen Volger, and Toby Jones as Basil Shaw. The film was directed by James Mangold, who is best known for directing The Wolverine, Logan, and Ford v. Ferrari. The film has grossed $130 million worldwide after the five-day holiday weekend against a massive $300 million budget. Harrison Ford went on 40-mile bike rides and daily walks to get in shape for Indiana Jones. At the age of 80, Harrison is the oldest actor to be de-aged. Tons of footage from all the movies Lucasfilm have done with Harrison were mined in order to de-age Ford for the flashback sequences. This is the only Indiana Jones film to not be directed by Steven Spielberg. He, however, stayed on as an executive producer. George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Paramount Pictures first agreed to five Indiana Jones films back in 1979. The Antikythera mechanism was a real artifact used for maritime navigation instead of time travel. It is considered to be the first ever computer devised. This is the longest Indiana Jones film, clocking in at 2 hours and 34 minutes. Olivier Richards actually hit Ford in the face during their fight sequence, resulting in a mild concussion. Jürgen Volger, played by Mads Mikkelsen, is partially based on ex-Nazi Wurren von Braun. I probably butchered that name, but he is a real-life person who was a former Nazi back in World War II. And then lastly, Harrison Ford was paid $20 million for his role in the film. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was finally released this past weekend. As I said, if you listened to the Indiana Jones season on the show, then you know I'm a huge fan of this franchise. Raiders of the Lost Ark was one of the first films I ever saw. It's where my love of films actually began, along with Star Wars, Pixar, and Back to the Future, of course. Seeing Harrison Ford returning as Indiana Jones was incredible. Ford did an awesome job in this installment. His performance wasn't my fear going into the film, though. My fear was the plot and CGI. Lately, Disney has been under fire in regards to their stories and CGI. Unfortunately, Dial Destiny is an, an exception to that. On paper, this film should have worked, but in the end, it didn't for me. Uh, so this installment sees a retiring indie getting sucked into the past. His goddaughter, Helena Shaw, is on a quest to find the Antikythera, the same artifact that drove her father, played by my dude, Toby Jones, mad, uh, Helena and Indy go up against Mickelson's Dr. Voler, Voler uh, in the film. Voler has the desire to make the Nazis the superpower of the world with the help of the Antikythera. Now, the Antikythera is a time travel device created by mathematician and inventor Archimedes. Uh, it was split into two pieces a long time ago. Uh, Indy and Basil Shaw, a.k.a. Toby Jones, found one of those pieces back in the day, as we see in the flashback sequences at the beginning of the film. Uh, that's where it all begins. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to talk about is the de-aging tech that is used in the film. De-aging has been a major, major tool at Disney the last few years. We've seen it in Marvel and Star Wars and now Indiana Jones. Uh, so it's not surprising uh, that Ford was going to get the treatment eventually. It actually worked for me this time. Uh, everyone involved with the de-aging of Harrison Ford did an incredible job on it. It, it looked surprisingly great in the theater. Uh, there were a couple spots, of course, where it was a bit off, but overall it looked really, really great. 
Uh, that entire flashback sequence was a lot longer than I thought it would be, actually. It's a good 15 to 20 minutes of the film. Uh, since the de-aging was used for that much time, it's also not surprising that the rest of the CGI in the film was not very good. Uh, the VFX department at Disney has dropped the ball once again, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other reviews and articles will be annihilating them for that. Uh, the film just looked really, really fake, especially during the action sequences and the big set piece uh, at the end of the film. The action sequences are a big part of what makes the Anna Jones franchise so, so much fun for audiences like me. So it's really disappointing uh, to go into the theater and to see that this is where the franchise is right now with bad special effects, bad story, and just not really, really entertaining action set pieces. Along with that terrible CGI, this story, like I keep, like I said, is just really not entertaining. Uh, I love the idea of time travel, so this film should have blown me away. Uh, if you told me back in the day that Indiana Jones would be eventually time traveling in his final adventure, I would be prepared to make multiple trips to the theater. Unfortunately, I will not be. Uh, this is a one-trip kind of movie for me. Uh, I would probably watch it again once it is released on Disney Plus or when it is available to own because I do own all the Indiana Jones films. So I have to throw this into the collection as it is the final Avenger. Uh, so I will be watching that when it comes out, of course, but I will not be making another trip to the theater. The story is kind of whatever, honestly. It didn't translate on screen as well as it should have. Um, there were parts where I was kind of bored in the theater. I had to remind myself that I love Harrison Ford uh, as Indy. Uh, so that kind of shook me awake once I was able to, you know, enjoy the film enough uh, to make it to the end. And speaking of the ending, I honestly kind of hated it. Uh, it did the classic uh, that, you know, that's the end of Indiana Jones, dot, 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 question mark. Uh, we get Indy reuniting with Marion for the first time since their separation, which is an awesome moment. And I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but the final shot of the film is Indy grabbing his iconic hat from a clothesline, basically insinuating that Harrison Ford could be back for more adventures, uh, even though that they have pretty much advertise this as the last adventure and then Harrison Ford say, stating that this is his last going for it. I don't like the idea of them kind of leaving a question mark at the end of this film. Uh, I, I don't want any more Indiana Jones films if this is where the franchise is at right now. Uh, give it, you know, 15, 20 years and then reboot it or just don't reboot it at all. I mean, not everything needs a reboot or a remake today. Uh, that's something Disney needs to learn quick and or they're going to keep losing fans uh, like me and, and a lot of the other people that I know. Uh, Disney has been a lot in a lot of hot water lately um, with their quality of their projects, uh, both on Disney Plus and in theaters. Um, the only real win I think they had this year was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, but I would associate that more as a win for James Gunn than it was for Disney. Uh, everything else Disney has put out this year or really the last couple of years has been pretty low as far as quality so i hope that they kind of you know regroup and, and rethink their strategy uh when it comes to the hollywood side of their business and they really need to start focusing more on quality than quantity but back to dial of destiny uh so we have mads mickelson playing the villain in this jurgen voller uh he is unfortunately a kind of whatever villain as well just like the story uh, Mickelson is an incredible actor who I absolutely love. Uh, I first saw him in Casino Royale as Le Chiffre. 
against Daniel Craig's James Bond. Uh, he's a terrific actor, terrific person. Uh, so I was really looking forward to him finally playing an antagonist uh, in a big Indiana Jones film. The character was just kind of really bland in this film. You know, Mickelson was stiff and really underwhelming. Uh, I blame the script and the direction for that. Uh, Mickelson should have given an incredible performance in here, but he didn't. Uh, they just didn't give him a whole lot to do. Um, and I, again, I blame the direction of, of what they wanted him to do as a villain. It's just, it didn't work. It didn't translate on screen. I wasn't entertained or compelled at all with him, which is really, really unfortunate. Now, you're probably wondering, did I like anything in this film? The answer is yes. There, there were quite a bit of things that I really did like in this film. Like John Rhys-Davies coming back as Sala, Toby Jones joining the franchise as Basil Shaw, and of course, all the callbacks to the other installments. Uh, the thing that kept me from leaving the theater was honestly Harrison Ford. I thought he was simply incredible in this film. He didn't skip a beat in this installment. He's the same old indie that we all loved, just a little bit older. Ford was 78 when filming began, and he will be 81 next week. Um, the man is rocking a freaking six-pack in Dial Destiny. Uh, I was very surprised that the film included a shirtless scene with Harrison Ford, and I'm still not quite sure how I feel about it. Uh, do I want more 80-year-old Harrison shirtless scenes? No, but I applaud him for it. You know, he's been staying in shape after all these years, and he wanted to show it off. I don't blame the guy. You know, be proud of the hard work that you have done. I mean... 81 years old is is a solid age to still have a six pack and he's just he's an american icon and he's he and he looks it you know it's just awesome to see him having fun with one of his roles that he really loves and really doing the work on it i just appreciate harrison so much i do think the ending for the most part of this installment and the ending of Harrison's run of the Indy was kind of satisfying. Um, I say that because I don't agree, like I said, with the final shot, but I do like the part before that. The The most emotional part as an indie fan was that reunion between Indy and Marion, who once again is played by Karen Allen. We get a callback to Raiders with Indy asking Marion, where does it hurt? Just like she did to him in the first film back on that sub. Uh, after their run-in with the Nazis. The big moment for me, though, was also the reveal of what happened to Shia LaBeouf's character, Mutt, from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, who turned out to be Harrison's son, uh, Henry Jones III. He apparently died in the war, which caused Marion and Indy to separate. Uh, the film doesn't specifically say it was the Vietnam War, but it is assumed that he died during that war. The timeline is, is a bit messy with that. Uh, the writers really kind of half-assed it because they wanted to just simply write off Shia's character because they know everybody was going to ask that question. Shia, as you probably know, has been dealing with a lot of personal stuff the last few years, so it's no surprise that he wasn't going to be in this installment. I do think they could have done a better job with explaining his absence. Uh, it was a great idea, you know, creating this tragic tragic event uh that harrison's indie would have to deal with throughout this movie um and i love harrison's performance uh as he was explaining this uh to hell to helena and his reunion with carrie karen allen on screen um 
we get during that moment with his goddaughter, you know, she asked him, what would you say to your son before he went off the war? And, and the answers, you know, I would tell him that he's going to die, that it would cause his mother so much pain, uh, pain that it, that I couldn't even help her overcome. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's really the gist of his answer. You know, he regrets not telling his son the truth. Um, it was a very, very emotional moment. Um, Harrison did an awesome job at delivering those lines and, and that whole interaction with Karen Allen. Uh, overall, Harrison did an outstanding job in his final adventures, Indy. Uh, he was honestly the best part of the film for me, for sure. Uh, this ending with Marion was the best scene, I think, in the movie. Uh, definitely the most emotional. Everything else was kind of noise and kind of bland and not really exciting like the other installments were. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more when I finally rank this movie, which I've been having a hard time doing. Um, but one last thing I wanted to touch on before I go into today's ranking segment is the absence of Q Hu Kwan's short round from Temple of Doom. I think it was a huge missed opportunity to not have him return as short round after all these years. Uh, he's one of the best characters in the franchise, I think. He wasn't, and he wasn't in Indy's final adventure, which is really disappointing. You know, they really dropped the ball on that. Short round should have been in this film at some point. Um, we will never get a on-screen reunion with these two characters and that's really disappointing to me because i i know temple of doom gets a lot of hate but i will defend that movie to my life you know the chemistry between him and short round was just perfect um it made that movie work uh and it's one of the highlights of the franchise for sure um and to not have short round in indy's final adventure is just really unfortunate and disappointing as a huge fan of the franchise um, this was their final chance to do that, and and now it's gone. So we will probably never, ever, ever see Hugh Kwan return as short round, and it's really, really uh, heartbreaking that he won't uh, be on screen with with Indiana Jones again, and that's really unfortunate. As you can probably tell, I didn't really enjoy this film. Uh, I think Disney just really dropped the ball hard on it once again with the beloved franchise. Um, there were things I liked, of course, you know, my boy, Toby Jones, finally becoming a part of the franchise flash test sequences with the really, really, uh, awesome de-aging effect, um, India Marion's reunion. And of course, Harrison Ford in general, um, he was by far the best part of the film. Seeing him put on the jacket and the hat one last time was incredible in the theater. Uh, I grew up watching the original trilogy. So seeing this in theaters was awesome. Unfortunately, the film wasn't as good as it should have been. The CGI was horrible, except for, of course, the de-aging, which I mentioned, which is probably the best I have ever seen it. Um, Helena Shaw, who is Indy's goddaughter slash sidekick in this installment, was pretty good from a performance standpoint. Uh, I just don't really agree with the direction of the character itself. A lot of people uh, that I've been kind of reading and, and listening to with their reviews have... Uh, have been demanding her to take over the franchise as a new indie. And I'm fully against that. Honestly, I think her character doesn't fit the character of Indiana Jones. Um, she really is in it for the money, which is the complete opposite of Indy. Indy is of course in it for the glory and to preserve history. I mean, one of his most iconic lines is it belongs in a museum, which he's right. Uh, it does belong in a museum so that people can appreciate it and learn from it. Um, she though just wants a payday. Uh, yes, she knows about history because her father, Toby Jones, 
taught her everything she knows throughout the years, but her desire for money is off-putting to me. She doesn't respect the history, I don't think. She puts the profit um, before, um, and it's almost as if she's the villain of the story, kind of, because if you remember, uh, the villains of the previous installments were really in it for the profit, were in it for the fame and the power that it came with it. Uh, whereas Indy was just simply trying to preserve these very historical artifacts uh, so that people can study them and learn from them. So, no, I, I don't think she should take over the franchise. I think we should just end it here with Indiana Jones retiring and just leave it at that. Now, he's not my first choice, but I do have probably one of the hottest takes ever here. I think Indiana Jones' son, Mutt, a.k.a. Indy the Third was more suited to take over the role than she was. Um, that's just my hot take. I'm probably going to get destroyed for that, but that's just how I feel. I think um, I think part of why uh, Shia has been kind of casted aside with his role in Indiana Jones is just because overall, Kenny Oma's Crystal Skull was a terrible movie. Um, I actually, if you listen to my episode on Crystal Skull, I actually really liked Shia in there. I think he was great in the movie. I just think the script and the CGI and just the overall film itself didn't work. Um, but I think Shia would have been a great Indiana Jones if, you know, other forces of reality didn't affect, you know, his career and life uh, in between these installments. But regardless of that, it's just overall Dial of Destiny is, is a huge mess for me. Um, but if you're a life, if, if you're a longtime fan of Indy, um, then you should go out and see it um, because it's Harrison's last time as one of the most iconic movie characters ever. And he does a really, really, really fantastic job in this. Um, so go out and see Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones once one last time in Dial of Destiny uh, at your little local theater today. Let's take a quick break before going over the Indiana Jones rankings as well as my top five Harrison Ford performances. Cinematic Reviews, Fast and Furious season premieres later this week. From the film that started it all to even the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff, I'll be breaking down and reviewing every installment in the beloved franchise. In the meantime, though, you can check out the rest of the Cinematic Reviews library, which includes Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, Game of Thrones, and Mission Impossible, one of the greatest action franchises of all time. So first, I want to finally rank Dial of Destiny against the rest of the Indiana Jones franchise. Uh, right now, we have The Last Crusade sitting at number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark at two, uh, followed by Temple of Doom at three, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at four. Now, Temple of Doom, Raiders, and Last Crusade will not be changing. Uh, those are pretty locked in as far as top three. Uh, but the real trouble I'm having with is, do I like this more or less than Crystal Skull. Now, Crystal Skull is not a good movie by any means. Um, CGI was terrible. The script was terrible. Um, Harrison Ford was great in it. Shia was great in it. Uh, Karen Allen was great in it. Uh, Kate Blanchett, Blanchett, um, who played the antagonist in that installment, was not very good. Um, Just a huge miss in general. And then you have the 
constant uh, backstabbing, no, I'm on your team, backstabbing, no, I'm on your team with the Mac character. Um, and then, of course, the whole alien angle was just ridiculous. Um, but Dial of Destiny is not without its flaws as well, as uh, as I s talked about earlier. Um, script was not good. The CGI, again, was terrible. Harrison Ford, of course, was the best part of the film. Um, didn't really vibe with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. It was cool to see Toby Jones show up in the franchise. Unfortunately, Mads Mikkelsen, as great of an actor as he is, was not very entertaining to me as the antagonist in this installment. Um, so they're in a similar boat, but I really, really want to rank these. Um, I think with the whole final adventure and the emotional reunion between Marion and Indy at the end of the film, um, I think overall Dial of Destiny is a slightly better movie than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Not by a whole lot. Um, there is still a huge gap between Temple of Doom and uh, Dial of Destiny, just like there is quite a big jump between Raiders and Temple of Doom. Uh, with Raiders and Last Crusade, it's very, very small gap. It's, it's really like 1A, 1B with those two films. Um, then you get the drop with Temple of Doom, and then there's an even bigger drop uh, between uh, Temple of Doom and Dial of Destiny, I think. And then, of course, with Crystal Skull and Dial of Destiny, it's really like 4A and 4B. But I do think, and I'm and I'm really looking forward to rewatching Dial of Destiny once it becomes available to own. Uh, that way I can really, really dissect it. I'm really going off of my initial reaction right now to the film. Um, so for right now, Dial of Destiny is going in at number four. Um, which is very surprising to me, you know, after talking about it on this episode, I've started to kind of collect my thoughts more and kind of digest it a little bit, talking it out. Um, I, I think I do, um, think Dial Destiny is a slightly better movie than Crystal Skull because there's just so many things that I do not like in Crystal Skull. Um, even though they both on paper would have been really, really cool installments of the franchise. Um, I, I like the MacGuffin a little bit better in Dial of Destiny, of course. The Crystal Skull thing in, in that fourth film is just so ridiculous. The alien angle is just... I mean, it's not surprising with Spielberg. Spielberg loves his extraterrestrial stuff, you know, with with E.T. and all that science fiction stuff with AI and all his other films. Um, I just... I think the Antithera... Uh, as a as a MacGuffin was just much much cooler, especially being a huge fan of time travel and all that. Um, so I'm putting Dial Destiny at four. So this is what the rankings of the Indiana Jones franchise looks like. Uh, number one, Last Crusade. Two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Three, Temple of Doom. Four, Dial of Destiny. Uh, and then at five is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, this you can find on IMDb. And then I will update the letterbox for those that follow the little box more uh but imdb is still my main uh source of ranking uh these franchises because it allows me to incorporate tv shows and, and other things of that so check uh the anna jones rankings uh just search for cinemac reviews on both imdb and letterbox uh now let's switch over to the harrison ford top five performances 
So my top five favorite performances for Harrison Ford. Uh, we're going to go from the bottom up. So at number five, I have Air Force One, where he plays uh, the president. Um, I need to look up his name. I do not remember. James Marshall. That's what his name was. President James Marshall. Uh, he goes up against Gary Oldman's um, antagonist. Um, we also get other stars in here, like uh, Glenn Close is in here as a vice president. Uh, William H. Macy. Uh, just a really, really awesome cast. Um, one of the most iconic Harrison Ford movies from my childhood. Uh, I've seen this so many times. We get, you know, his iconic line of get off my plane, uh, which I quoted all the time uh, as a kid. Uh, it's been a few years since I've seen this. Uh, I just most recently bought the steelbook uh, for this film that came out a few months ago, and I'm excited to finally rewatch this after all these years. Um, but yeah, so for those that don't know the, the premise of Air Force One, uh, communist radicals uh, hijack Air Force One uh, with the president, played by Harrison Ford, and his family are on board. Um, the vice president, played by Glenn Close, has to negotiate while she's in Washington, D.C. Um, and Harrison Ford is, is forced to, to fight in order to rescue all the hostages on board Air Force One. Um, just a really fun action movie. Uh, great Harrison Ford performance. Um, like I said, we also get William H. Macy in there. Uh, Gary Oldman is a pretty terrifying uh, antagonist in here as a communist radical. Um, just a really, really awesome, awesome action film that is set on the iconic Air Force One. So if you haven't seen the film, I highly, highly encourage you to see it. It's it's really, really awesome. It came out in 97. Um, just just an awesome um, career point for uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, then at number four, we have Blade Runner, which is probably one of his most beloved uh, films. Uh, he plays Deckard. In this film, uh, he is a Blade Runner who must pursue and terminate four replicants who stole a ship in space and have returned to Earth to find their creator. Um, I've only seen this a handful of times, and it has been a while since I have seen it, and I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Uh, after watching, you know, Dial Destiny and then doing the Indiana Jones season for the podcast, I've been really in a big Harrison Ford mood, so I have a quite an extensive list. Uh, that I want to rewatch on uh, my next film, which is sitting at number three, uh, is also in that list. And I will talk about that uh, in a second here. But uh, yeah, Blade Runner, definitely one of Harrison's most iconic and beloved roles. Uh, they did take, make the sequel a few years ago, Blade Runner 2049, which is really, really cool. Uh, that starred Ryan Gosling along, alongside Harrison Ford. Uh, it also had Dave Bautista in there uh, and Jared Leto. Uh, not quite sure what Jared Leto was doing in that film, uh, but overall, I did. I think it was a really, really good uh, sequel to this iconic '80s film. Uh, so yeah, so check out uh, Blade Runner if you haven't seen it. It's it's definitely one of Harrison Ford's most iconic films, and it's probably in his. You know, if you ever want to, if you think about, you know, what is like the Mount Rushmore or Harrison Ford, I gotta imagine Blade Runner is is one of the faces up there. Uh, so speaking of the 80s and Harrison Ford, we have the next one, number three, which is Witness. Now, I've only seen this film once, and it was a long, long time ago. Uh, this is where he won his Oscar for Best Actor as John Book. Uh, 
when a young Amish boy is sole witness to a murder while visiting Philadelphia with his mother, police detective John Book tries to protect the boy until an attempt on Book's life forces him into hiding in an Amish country. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of this film, but I do remember loving Harrison Ford in here. Um, and then since he won the Best Actor Oscar for this, it has to be in his top five. Um, but I do remember Witness being a very, very uh, thrilling and intense uh, drama uh, and a very, very good crime drama at that. Um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing it. I'm looking at the cast list right now, and Kelly McGillis from Top Gun is in there as Rachel. I can't believe I forgot that she was in there. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to seeing this after all these years. Number two, um, no surprise, uh, it's Han Solo. Uh, specifically, uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, I think is his best performance as Han Solo. Um, but I also think, you know, A New Hope and Force Awakens is can be in the conversation as well. Um, he has a very, very smaller role in Return of the Jedi. Uh, but still very, very iconic uh, because he is Han Solo, which for sure has got to be, if not Indiana Jones, definitely his most iconic role. Uh, I guess it really depends on who you ask. Uh, it's number two for me. Um, Empire Strikes Back's got the very, very awesome moment where, you know, Princess Leia says, I love you. And Han Solo replies, I know. Uh, he gets carbonized and left on a huge cliffhanger, which... For those that don't know, the reason why they did that is because they weren't sure if Harrison Ford was going to be back for the Return of the Jedi, um, but he did decide to come back. So then that's how the the third film opens, or the technically the sixth film opens up uh, with him being unfrozen by Princess Leia, and that's because Harrison Ford has been really, really down on his experience as Han Solo. He never really cared for the franchise or the character. Uh, he leaned more into Anna Jones because that is a franchising character that he really, really did love. Um, but it's still one of his most beloved characters. He's really great in this film. Um, so, yeah. So for those that don't know the plot of Empire Strikes Back, uh, after the rebels are overpowered by the Empire, Luke Skywalker begins his Jedi training with Yoda while his friends are pursued across the galaxy by Darth Vader and bounty hunter Boba Fett. Uh, so, yeah, just another great. Uh, iconic role for Harrison Ford, definitely in his Mount Rushmore. Um, I'm sure most people would put a new hope uh, in this spot. Um, some would even argue force awakens cause he is very, very good in force awakens. Uh, but for me, I think his best performance was empire strikes back. Uh, particularly his relationship with the princess Leia character. And then number one, uh, which is my belief is his, most most uh iconic performance and that is indiana jones uh specifically raiders of the lost ark the first film in the franchise i think this was his best performance of the franchise um last crusade is my favorite movie of the franchise but that really leans on the sean connery uh character as well uh harrison is at the forefront of raiders and i think this is by far his best performance in the franchise um, for those that don't know the plot of that, um, in 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Uh, this, of course, also stars Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, John Reese davies Ronald Lacey, Alfred Molina, and a bunch of others. Uh, but yeah, this is for, sh for sure my favorite 
performance by Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. So that is my top five of Harrison Ford's performances. Um, as I kind of revisit a lot of his films and work on this list, I'll expand it to, you know, top 10, top 15, top 20. Eventually, I would like to fit his entire filmography in here as I revisit all his uh, performances. But for right now, these are the top five. You can check this out on both IMDb and Letterboxd, of course. Just search for Cinematic Reviews. Well, that'll do it for this week's Harrison Ford Field Reaction episode here on Cinematic Reviews. Tune in next week for Insidious, The Red Door, which is set to be released on July 7th. Also check out the premiere episode of The Fast and Furious Season, which will be dropping later this week. In the meantime, you can, of course, check out the rest of the Cinematic Reviews library, which consists of Transformers, Mission Impossible, Harry Potter, and many, many more. Later, everyone.